Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and AHA That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 175 countries, 220 TV, radio, terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of this Friday? Well, what I can tell you is Christy Whitman is a New York Times bestselling author, quantum success, the art of having it all, taming your alpha bitch, and is a highly sought-after life coach. Christy is impassioned about transmuting people's outermost desires for things such as wealth, power, or fame into the building blocks for a deeper, more valuable sense of self and purpose. Christy's number one New York Times bestseller, The Art of Having It All, has helped millions of readers worldwide shift their mindset from can't to can. Her new book, The Desire Factor, How to Embrace Your Materialistic Nature to Reclaim Your Full Spiritual Power, will help guide readers through a deeper, more spiritually connected journey of taking those everyday desires shared by all of us and using them to manifest a more personal, more dynamic sense of fulfillment. This new book offers readers and listeners the tools to find their happiness, abundance, and success by leveraging the desires they already possess quite a repertoire. Welcome to the show, Christy. How are you, my friend? I'm doing so well. So happy to be with you. Well, this is a wonderful treat and I'm so glad this got set up. So I just, uh, let's go back to the inception of your journey. I'm always interested because people can read you, they can Google you, they can Wikipedia you, they can find out what it is that they glean about who you are today. But I'm more so always interested in the backstory. So if you wouldn't mind, Christy, could you take us on a little bit of a retro adventure about what the inception was, when you knew that this was the path that you were meant to be on, and if there was a cathartic experience perhaps in your life that that really shone through for you, like, no, this is what I need to be doing. Absolutely, this is what I need to be doing. Absolutely. So I, I graduated uh, Arizona State University, went to you know college, and around that time, it was in 1993, um, just dated myself, I moved to <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> I moved to Chicago because there wasn't a lot of opportunities in Arizona. It wasn't the booming city that it is right now. And so that's where I was born and raised. I was born to middle class, you know, Italian American family. And I was taught, you know, not that they sat me down, but that I was taught that if you go to college and you get a career and you make money and you get married, these are the things that will make you happy. 
Mm-hmm. And so here I found myself now in Chicago, having a really well-paying job. I had a lot of responsibility, went up the corporate you know, ladder very quickly, got promotions, had lots of money coming in, health in my body. I was engaged to be married, living in this awesome city. And I felt more dissatisfied, unfulfilled than I'd ever experienced in my life. And it was really awakening time for me because I, I was like, wait a minute, I did, I accomplished, I, I, I did all this stuff. And I remember my girlfriend who's known me since seventh grade, she's one of my best friends, she said to me while I was engaged, I've never seen you more miserable. Wow. And yeah. And so that led me to start therapy because mm-hmm. what's going on here, right? And so as I started traditional therapy, I realized that I need, I'm the one that needs to make my life work. And started changing things. So I cut. I, you know, um, stopped the wedding. I, you know, got out of the engagement. I moved into a brownstone in Chicago with my best friend Don. And still, I was really searching. And the thing I was searching for was a deeper sense of fulfillment. Why? How is it that I accomplish all these things and I'm making great money and I've got a great career that I like? You know, how come I'm not fulfilled? And so that deep yearning led me to go back to even try spirituality or religion. And that wasn't working for me. And so the events that kind of created itself is I met a a guy that I was dating long distance that lived in California, Northern California, that was with my company. And, um, I decided to make a lateral move and move to California and here within less than a month of being there, we broke up cause he was a, a bad boy. I was always interested in bad boys, not, you know, anybody <laughs> that was present or, you know, could have a good uh, relationship with someone. Drugs, alcohol was always involved cheating sometimes, you know, in this case, yes. So here I am in Northern California. I don't know anybody except for a hairdresser that he had um, introduced me to in a group of friends. So I needed to get my hair cut. And I go and get my hair cut from Janine. And this woman was, you know, my age, but she had something that I didn't have. And I I always refer to it like that when Harry met Sally scene Mm. in the restaurant and she's pretending to, you know, fake an orgasm. And, (laughs) you know, the woman goes, I'll have what she's having. I mean, that's how I felt. I'm like, I want what she has. And so finally being as blunt as I am, after I'm having, carrying on this conversation as she's cutting my hair, I said, what do you do? And she started laughing because she knew exactly what I meant. And she says, I meditate. Now I got to tell you at that point in my life, this is, you know, I don't know, 25 years ago, I never knew anybody that meditated. My vision of someone that meditated was like some guru guy sitting on a mountaintop in a yogi position, oming. And so that was like a huge paradigm shift for me when I'm like, here's this like total hip. I mean, she's got style. She's, you know, attractive. She's, you know, doesn't sound, she wasn't sounding all woo woo y and new age. Yeah. I mean, and so I was like, wow, that really changed my perspective perspective. So she started telling me about her meditation teacher named Melanie and I'm dialing. If you remember Lisa, those really, it was 25 years ago, this really big phone, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> The big clunky phones. I've dialed that as I'm leaving the salon. And I found myself at her house within um, the next week. And here we go again. There is clinky, clanky music playing. She's got candles all over the place, incense burning, you know, statues of angels all over the place. And I'm thinking, what in the heck am I doing? (laughs) Right? This is not, she got crystals all over the place. I'm like, this is so not my scene. What is this? So, (laughs) 
I go in and she sits me down, not on a chair or a couch, but on a cushion on the floor, of course, in a, in a little cross-eyed, you know, crisscross applesauce as my yeah. day, you know, a seated position. And she says to me, first words come out of her mouth. She says, you create your own reality. True. And that moment, I'd never heard that before. Mm-hmm. There wasn't the internet like it is now, right? It was, it, yes. bookstores did not have these type of books anywhere displayed. They were all pretty much put in the back. They were the woo-woo witchcraft books, right? <laughs> so yeah. it's not like I had visibility of this information. And when she says, you create your own reality, I literally felt something come out of my body. It was like I birthed something and I went, yes. And it was like the first time I could feel this sense of, oh my God, I know. Now I know, I know this. And then my mind kicked in and went, well, how? How do I create my own reality? And she said, your thoughts. You're either repelling things from you or attracting things to you based on how you think. Now, this was a big thing for me because I knew I could change my mind, right? I knew I, I don't want to mm-hmm. go there. I want to go here. But my thoughts, my thoughts were just my thoughts. So she gave me an assignment. She goes, I want you to go home for the next week and just pay attention to your thoughts. What are you saying? What are you saying about yourself? What are you saying about others? What are you saying about God? What are you saying about the people that are in traffic? What are you, what thoughts can you stop yourself enough to hear in order to pay attention to? So that's what I did. And I took that assignment very seriously. And I could not believe how negative I was. I was what she described as being in a lack mentality. And I was so curious about this because I could see where I learned this. My mom and dad still to this day, they're healthy, you know, uh, two people healthy in their 80s, but very, very negative because they're very mired in lack. And what's the worst thing that's going to happen? And, you know, if something's going to go wrong, it will. And you know, looking mm-hmm. at the wrong and bad and things. And, and, you know, I got to fight for my share. There's comparison and competition and, you know, all of this, that's how I was raised and that's how my thinking was. And it, uh, no matter what you accomplish, no matter how much you weigh, no matter how many friends you have, no matter how much money you have in the bank, if you're coming from this, nothing's ever enough, nothing will ever be enough. And that was a moment for me that shifted everything. Go ahead. You were going to say something. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's fascinating and I appreciate you being so vulnerable and can, uh, candid with us, Christy. And there's no coincidence because a, a good portion, I would say 90% of the people who I interview here on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, they're notable household names. Uh, you know, they're gurus, they're thought leaders, they're servant leaders. And it's really funny, and there's no coincidence. I really, truly do not believe in coincidence. But the majority of the people who are successful, who are talented, who are intuitive, who are self-actualized, who are, you know, they've sold millions of books, their YouTube channels are through the roof. I mean, you name it. And they've all said pretty much what you've said. There, There came a juncture within their life where from the external optics of what people would glean from their life, they were top of their game. I mean, they seemed to have the bull by the horns, everything they manifested seemed to come into actualization, everything. And yet when all those things seemingly aligned, they were their most unhappy. It was like actually a crisis. It was either an identity crisis. It was a midlife crisis. It was a crisis of the ego. It was like this it doesn't matter what my skill set it is. It doesn't necessarily matter 
that this was meant to set me on the trajectory of where it is I now am. I don't regret anything. I don't begrudge anything. It's brought me closer to my relationship with self. And I've discovered some things about myself that I otherwise wouldn't have learned had I not been in this crisis of unhappiness, whatever the derivative was. For some people, it was lack. For some people, it was just... um, overcompensation for some people it was thinking that if they had all these things or if they aspired to these levels it would equate with happiness or or inner fulfillment we know that's not true so if i take the story of what you've said christy which is fascinating and i look at your role primarily as a life coach you probably are interfacing initially with a lot of equally successful people and it's like they've burnt out the ego self. It's like they're done, they're done with the mask, they're done with the treadmill, they're done with outperforming, outshining themselves. There's nowhere left to go other than am I escaping something? Am I doing what I'm doing because I've done it for so long and I maybe don't want to go back to basics or the grassroots and, and discover or unearth or, or actualize other things that might be more purpose-driven for me? So let's talk a little bit about your client base. Let's talk a little bit about what you've said with that person that you met at the hairdressers, what she said to you that was so profound and that's setting you on the trajectory of where you're now at. Let's talk about the life lesson, the cathartic epiphany moment you had in that and what that's now spawned and and transmuted over to your clients. Well, you know, there was many. It it wasn't like there was just one. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it became it became like a birthing and a journey for me because I learned how to meditate. And Mm. and while before I was learning how to meditate with this meditation teacher named Melanie, she sent me to learn basic meditation from one of her friends. And when I was learning that, I wasn't learning basic meditation. I was learning how to literally open up to the healer in me which Mm. I didn't even understand that back then. And even my meditation teacher, Melanie said to me, she goes, you're a channeler. And I'm Mm. like, I don't, that's great. I don't know what that is. Right. (laughs) Fantastic. I I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and, and so I just kept, you know, attracting what I now talk about and would teach about in all my books courses is the seven essential laws, because I started learning them, applying them, started to really understand them from a human perspective. I was putting everything into play. So five years into this experiment, if you will, this birthing, I had created more money than I had ever thought possible. No debt, um, had my ideal body, was married, living in my, literally my dream home. I mean, had a career in pharmaceutical sales at this time. I mean, everything was going fantastic. And yet I realized, wait a minute, I'm a pharmaceutical sales rep. I make great money, but I don't feel like I'm on purpose. I'm not purpose driven here. I'm not passionate about selling medication. I mean, heck, if I get a, a headache, I take peppermint oil. I don't even take an aspirin, right? Right. So, so knowing what I knew and applying what I had been applying for five years, I wanted to apply this to my career. And so I had to look at, okay, what am I unfulfilled in? What do I feel that's contrasting here that I'm lacking in? And it was passion and purpose. I did not have that in my current job. And I, yet I didn't know what I would be, I didn't know the form. I didn't know what I would be passionate or on purpose with, but I did know that everything is energy. So I started to cultivate feeling on purpose and feeling passionate about what I was currently doing and practicing bringing that energetics of that, of that, you know, passion and purpose into my meditations, into my daily life. Within a month, 
I was in my nightly meditation and I got a picture of my very first book called Perfect Pictures, cover, everything, title. Went to bed that night at 105 in the morning. I woke up with a voice in my head that I could not stop. So I got up and I started writing and literally my hand became just independent of my own consciousness and was going and it was writing and writing and writing. I couldn't even keep up with reading what I was writing. It was just what was going. So that then happened seven nights in a row, same time, one five in the morning. And so I got the book published. I started speaking in spiritual bookstores and churches and people started asking me to coach. Now this is 20 years ago. I was like coach, like a football coach or a cheerleading coach what do you mean a coach right it was like I didn't know about life coaching and they were like no life coach I'm like they people do that they get paid for that where do I sign up that's awesome and so people started you know I told them just call me on the phone and I would take them through what I had been trained in for the last five years in my own life and they were getting amazing results and so I loved it so much. I felt so passionate and so purposeful on it that I continued to do my day job, but I was building my coaching business and I started getting my first client and then my second client. And so about 15 years ago, I went full time in my coaching business. I now have a multi-million dollar coaching you know, business for the last mm-hmm. 10 years. And the people that I do help and serve is, you know, those that feel that they just are stuck. They know that they're calling, they're being called to for more. They feel that in them and they want to, but they just don't know how because Mm -hmm. their imprints, their past is kind of pulling them back, anchoring them back. And it could be, you know, anywhere from, you know, business owners to stay at home moms to top celebrities and athletes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and it's like what you're saying. These are people that have, okay, I got everything that I set out to get. I I have the, you know, in some cases, fame and fortune, in some cases, the family and the money and, you know, and the health, but I want more and, and I feel like there's something missing. And that's where I come in and help them connect to their divinity, to their, to their true abundance and their success and help them understand how to masterfully um, manage their own energy so that they can create what they want and feel fulfilled while they're doing it. Beautiful. Fascinating. So going back to what you just said not that long ago, uh, the synchronicity of having awoken at 105 and then writing for a succession of seven days. Did you ever find out why 105? Did you delve a little bit deeper, even just numerology, what that might be symbolic of or what that what special meaning that that may have held for you? Yeah, that special meaning for for me was that it was just that that was like the point. It was a portal opening for mm-hmm. the, for that higher wisdom to come in. I was in a deep sleep. I was in non resistance. It was. I mean, I was exhausted. You know, getting up at one o five in the morning to go write seven <laughs> nights in a row. I always say it's not convenient, right? It's never convenient, but I'm willing to do it. And so it was literally just a portal opening for that. And you know what what now I understand to be the council. Um, I knew it was a collection. I knew it wasn't just like one guide, you know, talking through me. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, you know, this, de- this relationship has v- developed over the last 20 years. So now I'm now, you know, channeling them full on and doing healings with people, helping them release their imprints, helping them release their energy. 
And so it's just been, it's been an involvement. I mean, I've had my, my book, Quantum Success, you'll love this. I was on a cruise ship in the middle of the Mediterranean with my family. We had a family suite. So I had one kid in one room, one kid in the other room. My husband was in our bedroom and all that was left was a bathroom. So I went into the bathroom at three o'clock in the morning, put a bunch of towels under my bottom, got my journal out. And here we go again, just writing, writing, writing for hours in the bathroom. And then- wow closed up the journal and, you know, went back to sleep. And the next morning I was like, okay, there's my next book. Wow. <laughs> Love it. Love it. So when we, when you look at the contrast of, of, you know, call it the inception of your journey, call it once upon a time, humble beginnings, like, you know, as far back as you can go, Christy, in your level of, of cognition and, and recognition of who you were as an evolved soul or as a spirit being or as part of the divine, you know, when you when you look at who you were back then and how you have evolved over a period of time, um, would you say, would you, and I know there's always a lot of variables that are involved, it's not usually exclusive to one specific uh, form of criteria, but would you say that when you started tapping into your intuition, call it gut, call it inner voice, call it inner child, uh, call it the surrendering, being open to the intangibles of life, knowing that there's universal signs and symbols, when you had that astute knowledge that there was something outside of the physical material world and it existed within you, again, aka inner voice, intuition, is that when you started to see your life transform more consistently without a doubt absolutely and and again it was it was an involvement right it wasn't like just one big poof you know no of course time. yeah so so each time I went deeper each time I leaned in to my light and kind of moved away from the dark I mean it, it really felt like I was a split personality because I was told at a very young age that I was a pain in the I don't know if I could say ass, but I will. Oh, you can, you can say yeah. whatever you okay. want. This is okay. my show. Okay, great. So, yeah, I was, I mean, my parents and my sister would call me a PETA, you know, short for pain in the ass, because <laughs> I was always asking for stuff, and I was curious, and I was passionate, and, you know, I was, I just wanted to explore, and I wanted to learn more, and I wanted to know why. Like, you have this rule, well, why? Why do I have to do this? And my mom would, you know, deem me as challenging and a pain in the ass because that was her go-to thing because I was more, um, you know, I, I was bigger than she could manage. Yes, um, I and, get it. Yeah. So, you know, so then it became about me being a pain in the butt, right? It was like, I'm the problem one. And so that, that was part of my persona that I took on, that I was always the cause of problems. I always ruined things. I always made things bad. And that was a part of me that I had to realize that's not true. That was, that is not who I really am. And if I'm not really that, then what am I? And that's where I started choosing deliberately moving into my light and moving into, you know, my goodness. Here's the beautiful thing about my life is that I had a godmother who um, just literally would call me her precious godchild. And, and when I'd walk in her house, she'd be like, oh my God, the whole house just lit up. Mm -hmm. I mean, she saw me. Beautiful. Like she saw, yeah, she saw my light, and yet my mother would see how I was a pain in the butt. So it was a very split inside of me. I remember one time having lunch with the two of them, 
And my mom was going on and on and on about how I never ate, I never slept, I always talked back, I was, you know, so difficult. And at Do the we same have time, the same mom by any chance? Um, <laughs> we might. <laughs> I know I hear that a lot. Holy. Yeah, but then here at the same, you know, lunch table, my godmother's like, oh, she was so precious. We just loved when she came over. She just lit up a room. She made us laugh. And, and I looked at them and I said, are you two talking about the same person? And, and, and that was like a moment for me where I'm like, whoa, they're talking about the same person, which is me. I identify with which both are speaking of. And I don't want to continue to be this person that my mom describes because that's not who I am. I'm, I'm like, I want to be what my godmother describes. And so like there was, were moments of making those shifts and decisions and, and choices to follow a different path and be someone different. And to, you know, we can't outcreate our own consciousness, our own self-identity. And so that was having those moments of shifting that self-identification, that helped me open up more to my intuition. That helped me open up more to my energetic being, to all the parts that you described, to healing that little inner child that felt like, uh-oh, you know, we're creating this situation again. She's creating it because she doesn't know anything other than being a pain in the ass. So she's going to mm. create a pain in the ass situation here. She's going to, I would feel at the end of the day that I messed something up. Why? Because I was a pain in the butt. Right. Mm. And so that had to be cleaned up energetically. You know what I find fascinating about what you said, though, even more so than the polarity or the duality between the contrast of your mother and your godmother. But if you under, if you break that down, the choosing of a godmother, I'm sure your mom played a hand in that. I'm sure your godmother, the choice of who that would be was instrumental to some degree with your mom's input. So the fact that your mom would have elected to have picked exactly who your grandmother was, yet your grandmother was more so synergistically aligned with who you were, how your mom couldn't have seen the similarities or the compatibilities between you and your godmother and yet you still being deemed as the pain in the ass. I find that really interesting. Yeah, my mom has no self-awareness at all. <laughs> I, mean, I wish I could say, you know, she had some thoughts. She just loved Marianne. She's a wonderful, lovely person. But beyond that, I'm sure, you know, that was her closest friend at the time and loved to be around her. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful. For whatever reason she did choose her, so grateful. Because my sister didn't have Marianne in her life. My sister uh, was 11 years older than me. And she committed suicide when I was 27. So it's, you know, she's, she's been God 25 years now. And um, she, you know, never had someone telling her that they're light, that they're precious, that they're, you know, oh my gosh, you light up a room. We're so grateful to be around you. I mean, she didn't have that. And I see that that made a huge difference in my life. And had maybe had she had that, she would have had choices because she just went down a very dark road and continued going down that road until she escaped, ultimately did the, the, the ultimate escape. And that was, you know, ending yeah. her own life. I'm sorry to hear about that. Oh. Does your, did, what's your sister's name? Teresa, Terry. Terry. Did, does Terry ever come through for you? Oh, all the time. She came through the other day. I was like, hey, sis, I was grabbing something. I saw a picture of her and then she just became really present. And uh, so I had a I had a nice little moment with my sister. So when and especially around I have so many stories, it's crazy. That was actually my second book, how to um, 
why did she choose suicide? Because I took a spiritual approach that I was not going to waste my life wondering what I could have done differently or why she was trying, why she did this or how we could have helped. I mean, these are answers that will never go unanswered or go, get on, get answered from the physical perspective. Now I understand. And, and now I've had moments with her where I get why she was in so much pain and she was like, I'm out, I'm done. But you know, during that time, while I was going through my own personal grieving process, I wanted to connect with her on a higher level. And I did. And, and she would come through radio stations. Like if I was listening to a country Western station, I would have, um, the dance by Garth Brooks and then boogie oogie oogie from, you know, (laughs) taste of honey, which is a disco song. And then to like Sarah McLaughlin, I remember (laughs) you. Right. And it's like, what DJ in their right mind is ever on any station going to play a mix of those three songs? (laughs) And those three songs were played in the exact order on multiple occasions, on multiple stations, at multiple places that I've been. So, yeah. So I was always like, oh, hey, sis. You know, it was like, okay, I hear you. You're there. You know, I I would hear Garth Brooks, the dance come on. I'm like, oh, great. And then when Boogie Oogie would come on after that, I was like, okay, that's her. That that's her doing some magic up there. Wow. Well, even sequentially, you mentioned like three, like three artists, three different songs. Is there something symbolic about three for you and your sister? No, but it was about those songs because the right. da- you know the dance specifically is. My uncle told me about that song. He's like, you have to hear this. It just it it it's so perfect for you know what we're all going through right now, and it was. Yeah. And then Boogie Oogie Oogie was the first uh, record that my sister ever gave me because she was way into disco. I was young. She was 11 years older than me. And so she bought me a 35 or 33. Can't remember what Nate, what number it was, <laughs> right? The smaller, the smaller yes, record yes. back then. And then Sarah McLaughlin, it was amazing because I was at a meditation retreat um, doing a healing on my sister when she actually took her life. And when we went to go to San Diego, because that's where she lived, I was sitting outside with my boyfriend. He ended up being my husband. And we were sitting there and the song came on. Sarah McLaughlin's I Will Remember You. Remember you. And I yeah. never heard that song before. It was the first time I heard it. And what she was saying in the song and in the words, it was my sister talking to me because she's like, you gave me everything you had. You gave me light. And I literally was just a weekend before that at a meditation retreat sending light to her. So. Wow, beautiful. I love Sarah McLaughlin. She's a fellow Canadian. I've seen her in concert. And that's a beautiful song. So I can yes. see how, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, when we talk about, okay, so we're going to jump here. So, because I was going to interject this anyway, but now I can take it a little bit deeper than originally planned. So when we look at the pandemic and we look at, uh, we know statistically everything has gone up, whether it be substance abuse, whether it be suicide, suicidal ideation, uh, addictions, all kinds of things. So um, knowing that this is at the forefront because everybody's been globally impacted and every, you know people have been predisposed to things and the pandemic's just exacerbated or triggered it at monumental levels. And so... I know you're very far advanced in your healing process and I know that you've reconciled things within yourself so that you can still come out living abundantly and you can still seek the bigger, deeper messages. Um, but that's not when, and I've had suicide hit me close in my family and, and circle too. So 
when people say that suicide is an easy way out or it's a cop out or you don't really quite get the closure as per other types of deaths, um, you know, what do you say to all of that? And what is what has been your journey within that with your sister and, and suicide specifically? It's it's been a long journey. I mean, I used to speak in colleges on suicide prevention and I would share the story and, you know, but for me, it was always that it's her life. We all have free will and choice. Mm -hmm. And she was absolutely miserable. And and to your point, Lisa, I mean, you know, this last year when when everything hit, right, when everything kind of closed down, I went to the council and I said, okay, what's up with this? And they said it is an amplification time. Mm -hmm. And what what is happening within somebody they it is being amplified so that they look at it and there's some people that created a, a beautiful opening to their healing journey and there's other people that went the other way because they were more scared and more fearful and got more into drinking alcohol or eating more you know smoking or whatever it was just to escape themselves and so you're always going to have people in society that either go, okay, I've got this going on. I need to get some help, whether it's traditional therapy, working with a healer, doing body work, whatever it may be. You know, the, those people are like, I got to, I got to, this has gotten to an all time bad. I've got to, something's got to break open here and I've got to change. I've got to shift. And there's a lot. I mean, there's more people that have had that great awakening during this last year but but what we see, you can't quantify that. What we see is the people that are, uh, you know, suicide rates are up, alcoholism is up, you know, weight is up. You can quantify those things. Mental health is up. Yes, it is. But you're always going to have that polarity. And the more people that understand that your emotions, your thoughts, your perspectives, your what you say and what you do are all energy. Mm -hmm. And that you have free will and choice, either, you know, learn how to heal and shift the energy of this, get some help, you know, do, allow the imprints to release, allow yourself to come back in alignment with the divine or move further away. And that it's the exact same thing that I look at my sister is that she just didn't have that level of help that she needed and went into a very deep, dark place and because of that, obviously chose what she chose. And, you know, it, unfortunately, none, we all have free will. Yeah, and, we do. Yeah. So, you know, I'm here to help those that are opening and awakening and resonate with me and happy to help anybody that shows up for that. And for the, for the rest of that are out of alignment, just send them love and light that they find their, you know, divine spark because we all have it if we're alive. Absolutely. Well, when I when I look at your life, when I look at the trajectory of what you've amassed for yourself, and when I hear you talk, and I, you know, your intrinsic beauty that shines through, I mean, you've got beautiful energy, and you've, you're using the gift of what you've got really profoundly, very beautifully, and I'm sure a Thank lot you. of people are, are very, very much uh, indebted to you. But you have a lot of skills, you're multifaceted, you're multidimensional in what you're impassioned by, uh, what, you know, brings yourself to life. But if you had to look at all the hats that you wear, all the balls that you juggle, everything that you're known for, sought out for, what out of everything that you do skill set wise, whether it be being sought out as a life coach, whether it be speaking, whether it be a writer, whether it be a whatever, 
what is your sweet spot? If you could only do one of those things for the remainder of your life, what would that be? In terms well, I, yeah, I've, I, in terms of my business, I've already moved into that in the last couple of years and that's being a channel for the council because, you know, my, my 15 plus years before I started channeling the council, I was a coach, I was a writer, I was a speaker, you know, mm -hmm. I was a teacher, all that. But it's when all of that, even a healer, right, an energy healer, and all mm -hmm. of that came together through helping the council, uh, you know, give their message and their healings and the energy that they bring. So now I am literally just the conduit for which this higher awareness and higher energy and, and healing ability comes through so that people are getting even more uh, depth of healing and really being able to shift their energy and shift their lives. So I feel like all of it was a lead up to being able to channel the council because even my new book, The Desire Factor, that just came out a couple of months ago, that was all channeled. It's my stories of how I've applied this as a human being. So I don't walk around channeling. I don't parent channeling. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, I don't have a relationship with my husband channeling. I don't walk my dog channeling. So I still, <laughs> you know, I'm still Christy in my life, right? Yeah. But but my business has shifted where it's like I get to do interviews like this, sharing my story, right? But the stuff that I do with clients is really about bringing their wisdom through. And, and so is the that new book, The Desire Factor. It's their wisdom with my experiences of what they're sharing and how I give an example in my own life, a story of how I then shifted from what I didn't want to what I did want, or you know how I use the power of focus or surrender and with their wisdom. So it's a nice combination. So everything has led to now Christy and the council. Beautiful. Okay, can we can we just dissect that a little bit, just sure. for a clear for additional clarity for the the listing audience and the podcast subscribers. So, uh, I guess I'm just trying to, in in terms of what was what was the defining moment with everything that you did beforehand. So I'm not talking about everything that you did once upon a time where you were out of alignment, you weren't integral with self. You know, you 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 realized that you needed to. Uh, as a result of in the hairdressing shop and meeting with that woman and all those things, you got to create your own story, et cetera, et cetera. So that set you on the trajectory of doing all the things again, under the umbrella of, you know, thought leader, author, uh, life coach, all of those things. What, in terms of the level up for you, like even uh, energetically, spiritually, getting to the point of referring to it as counsel, but, but just up leveling what you were already doing, because in the multifaceted areas in which you were already paying it forward, being of service, um, really bringing other people's strengths to light, really getting people to live life on purpose for themselves within themselves. Can you differentiate for the listening audience, the podcast subscribers, what would have been that leap from what you were doing where you were already living life on purpose and being congruent to up leveling to when you talk about where you're at now, like what, what's the, what's the distinction? Yeah. So I was coaching and I certified coaches. So I started certifying coaches and that's probably what I got, you know, more well known for than anything is that in 2008, I had one of the first online law of attraction certification programs mm -hmm. and and, you know, we had a lot of people go through. I've, 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 co I've certified over 3,000 life coaches, which is you know, making a huge impact for all those coaches to then go out and coach other people and, and you know, be trained on the system that I got trained in that I kind of gathered over the years. 
And so that was really um, the biggest thing is that really helping people that are light workers that, that feel called to be a coach go even deeper with advanced classes and, and energy work and things like that. And so that's, that's really what I was doing is helping people that have gone through the therapy and they did the affirmations and they meditate and, you know, they did the vision boards and, and felt like, why am I not getting further? And, mm-hmm. you know, or, or even felt called to help other people. And that was where coaching came in. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. So living fearlessly means different things to different people. What does living fearlessly mean to you specifically, Christy, either from a spiritual perspective or however you wish to define it? Well, you know, for me, it's understanding that fear will come up Mm -hmm. and it's understanding that what the fear is there to do is to keep me imprinted, to keep me stuck back to where I was. Because if I, you know, am courageous and do something I've never done before, that's living fearlessly is being able to find courage, find, you know, the connection that I have with my full faith that I am in co-creation with, you know, the larger part of me and to move forward, even though I don't know the how, the who, the when, the where, the what. And to do that from a place of, from connecting to a higher reason and a higher purpose and a higher essence that will, you know, propel me forward. But understanding that fear is going to be part of the equation because it's our human experience and that it's part of the mind that wants to keep me safe or that, you know, I need to be aware of I'm feeling this fear because there's an imprint of something that happened in my past that, you know, is, is coming up again to say, Hey, remember the last time you put yourself out there and you failed, or remember the last time you put yourself out there and you were, you know, criticized or, you know, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And to look at that fear and understand that fear comes from an imprint of lack. And if you really look underneath fear and understand that it comes from a lack perspective that either I'm not enough or there's not enough opportunities or there's only one thing or, you know, only so many people can have success, whatever that mindset is that to be able to shift that. I'll give you a perfect example um, Mm -hmm. of how I live fearlessly is um, years ago, I want to say it was about four or five years ago now, I was getting a massage. And I was enjoying my massage. And then all of a sudden, I had this overwhelming anxiety that came over me. And I was feeling really uncomfortable on the table. And so I, because of what I do, what I know how to do, obviously, I, I sat with the anxiety, knowing that anxiety is an overamplification of an emotion that not, has not been processed. So I thought, okay, let me back my way into this. If I'm feeling anxious, what am I not feeling? And it was clear. I wasn't feeling, I was not feeling my fear that was up. And so I started to feel my way into the fear and then asking the fear, what are you fearful of? What are you lacking? What do you perceive that you're lacking? And what it was is a voice clearly said to me, you've used it all up. And I was like, what? Used what all up? Your success. Like you've, you've used it all up. You've had so much success. There's no more to come. And it was real. Wow. Oh, it was real. It was palpable. And I was like, what? First of all, that's insane, but okay, thanks for sharing, right? It was like, <laughs> wow, there was a part of me that thought you only get so much success. You've you've gotten it all in one shot and you're done for the rest of your life. And so I had to feel my way in and bring in a different energy, not of lack, but in of abundance to that. Say if it's a persona, like a little part of me that thought that, right? It was like feeling that energy cover that per- that part of my personality, that part of me that believed that there's only so much to go around. 
And it was literally talking to that part saying, I don't have a pie. It's not like I have a pie and I've eaten it, right? So I don't have a pizza and now the pizza's been eaten and I don't have any more success. I have a bakery. I can make as many pies as I want. Beautiful. There's, yeah, there's no limit, you know? And so just by shifting that mindset and then shifting the energy and the shifting the emotions to be back in abundance rather than in lack, I haven't you know, thought other than when I share that story, I haven't felt that thought of that had that hold me back ever since because I transmuted that energy. Fantastic. Do you mind me asking Christy, is your mom still alive? She is. My mom's 85. My dad's 89 and they're very much alive. Very doing very well. And so has the relationship or the dynamic changed or has your mom evolved where she can see the, what's transpired within you and maybe it's you're not the pain in the ass anymore you're actually wow like you turned out and you, you turned out beautifully like is there anything different there yeah well you know again it it, it took some work it, it mm-hmm. wasn't like my mom was doing any of the work but I had to shift my own relationship inside of me and how I thought about my mom. So instead mm-hmm. of coming from a place of judgment about my mom, I'm in, I'm really in a place of compassion because no matter how old and no matter how she lives life and no matter how many times I talk to her, you know, she doesn't understand that she's mired in lack and that's a, it, it's, she's stuck there and it's sad. So I have compassion for her, but I remember one time it was around um, they had come and visit, uh, we were living in Montreal and I just got married to my husband that I'm married to now. We've been married almost 15 years and I have two kids together and, congratulations. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. He's a wonderful man. I'm great. Very grateful. Um, but she came to our house. We had just built this house and she came into my office and she started sharing the story that she loved to share of competition and comparison between my sister and I. And she started saying how, my sister was such a great child. She always ate. She always slept. She always did what she was told. But you, on the other hand, you never did this. And I, I said, stop. And she just looked at me and I go, I have been hearing this story for 35 years and you need to stop. I'm like, it doesn't feel good to hear it. It doesn't feel good to be compared to my sister. I want you to stop. You are no longer allowed to share that story in my presence anymore. Good because for you. if you, yeah, I'm like, if you do, I'm going to tell you to stop. And, mm-hmm. and she had just told for the last time, she had just told my mother-in-law the day before. And that's where I was like, it was so there. It's like, I'm not that person anymore. And I not, I wasn't ever that person. Mm-hmm. That was her perception of me. And so putting up that boundary you know, there was other times I had to put up boundaries with her, but it's like, we, we need to teach people how to treat us. Absolutely. And, and that's what I had to, you know, in a very respectful, but a very, you know, very courageous way say, that's not okay to talk to me like that. And, and that's not okay to share that story anymore. And so those moments have said, you know, it wasn't like you need to stop in order for me to be happy. It's like, that doesn't feel good to me. It's not empowering to me. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't help me in any way. And you're my mom. Don't you love me? Of course I love you. Well, I want to feel good around you. I want to have a good relationship with you. So every time I hear that story, it makes me want to pull away and, and, you know, retract from you. Is that what you want? No. Mm -hmm. Well, then let's have a good relationship and stop. Please stop telling that story. And, and so she did, 
And I'm grateful that she did. And she caught herself a couple of times wanting to go there, but she stopped herself, which is great. And, yeah. it, and it, you know, it's, it's totally changed our relationship because I've put up boundaries, but also I hold my mom as a very sacred person that she was my birth mother. She was my earth mother. You know, she gave me all that she could from the place that she, that she was imprinted and she was in pain point. And, you know, and, and she did a lot of really wonderful things for me and still is, you know, to this day. And, and I just feel gratitude and appreciation for her. And when the negativity comes up, I mean, she wasn't feeling good about a month ago. And she, she told me and my uh, house cleaner cleans her house and, and our house. She, she told us both that we're, we could go to hell with our positive thinking. You know, so a positive thinking bullshit is what she called it. So, you know, and I'm like, all right, mom, you know, you're in your own world. And if you feel better thinking negatively, then all power to you, you know, so. Oh, well, well, you got to love her for being living fearlessly in her own way, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, she's she's a warrior on a different path, but warrior nonetheless. That's good. That's great. Well, being cognizant of time, I'd be remiss if I didn't give you the opportunity to share where people can find you, Christy. Well, I'm all over the place, but you could go to ChristyWhitman.com, and um, I have my new book, which is at TheDesireFactor.com. Amazing. And so, dare I ask, what's next on the horizon is if you haven't already accomplished enough for like 10 lifetimes, but, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> is there something else on the horizon that would be beneficial for the listeners to know and myself as well? I'd love to know. Well, I'm just going to continue channeling the council. And since the desire factor is not now out, I uh, have certified and trained 50 desire factor coaches. So yeah, so those coaches are going to now start training and teaching and coaching on, you know, taking people through the, the seven step process that's in the book. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing all the impact that that creates. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, I can't thank you enough for the gift of your time. You've shared a lot of, you've unpacked a lot of yumminess here and uh, it's been a real delight. It's been a real treat to talk to you. And there's a lot of parallels between you and I, uh, not surprisingly, because again, I don't believe in coincidences and uh, for what you've brought to me, even in just this finite period of time of being able to sit back and really churn over what you've said, I've gotten a lot out of this. So I personally thank you. And I know that I would uh, be speaking as well comfortably and respectfully on behalf of the radio listeners and the podcast subscribers because I know exactly what they're looking for when they tune into this show and you brought your a game so oh, thank you you Lisa. brought your you brought your council game <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you so I thank you for that but once again before we close out where can people find you again Christy Whitman uh christywhitman.com Okay, super. Well, listen, you always have an open standing invitation to come back onto Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. I would love the opportunity in which to do this again and share great energy with you. Thank you, Lisa. I would love to come back. It's great. Well, love and gratitude to you and to the listening audience. I want to thank you very much for the gift of your time. I'm very clear on my purpose. My purpose is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. Until next time, when we're joined by yet another phenomenal guest of next Friday, I wish you all my very best. Stay safe, healthy, and uplifted. And to you as well, Christy. Thanks so much. Love and gratitude to you all. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. 
Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero, be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.